Welcome to Business of Being Black with Tam and Mac. It's Friday, everybody. We are talking about why the GOP wants to defund the FBI. This is laughable, right? How private messages on social media led to a mother and her 17-year-old daughter facing multiple charges. Also, a tragic car accident that left six people dead in Los Angeles and a sports legend is retiring and doing it her way. I guess we know it's a lady. Get ready for another round of the political and trending highlights of the week, everybody. Please welcome my Friday co-host, activist and radio personality, Dominique DePrima. Hi, Dominique. Hi, Tammy Mack. Political analyst, Ed Sanders on deck today. Hey, Tammy Mack. Hello there. And guest starring for Dr. Oleka, commentator and contributor for redstate.com, Jeff Charles is here. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Tammy. Nice to be here. Oh, nice to be here indeed. Or as my good friend Marla Gibbs would say, nice to be seen and not viewed. Okay. Um, <laughs> right, right. So let's get this thing started, um, everyone. Uh, let's see here. Mm, mm, mm. Um, Twitter is implementing a new set of policies to tackle misleading information about the upcoming election. Twitter will now be uh, will now label and demote misinformation such as false claims ballot casting and other voting processes. Labeled tweets associated with the false or misleading claim may not be liked or shared to prevent the spread of misleading information. Do we like this, Dominique? You know, it's a tough one. I think that we do like it in the sense that there are some things that we can objectively say are lies, such as the fact that the election was stolen, those kinds of misinformation campaigns that have been, you know, tarnishing our recent elections and undermining our democracy do need to be stopped. But at the same time, we know that Twitter and many of the social media platforms have a track record of disproportionately um, muzzling the progressives, the left, and people of color as compared with letting right-wing trolls have free reign. So as long as this is not ex used as an excuse to censor progressive voices, I think it's a good thing. Well, that's interesting because right-wingers say that it does the same for them. So Jeff, let's talk about it. Yeah, that's hilarious. Twitter has a very clear bias against conservatives. This is just them trying to repeat what they did in 2020 when they suppressed that Hunter Biden story that now the even the media admits is true. So, yeah, I mean, I do think they're going to suppress information, but it is going to be one sided and it's going to be against conservatives. It. Yeah, I don't know that I would say it's against conservatives. It, it, you know, maybe the MAGA world that that has shown that it's willing to disseminate false information. You know, I think when you look at campaigns across the country, um, whether you're talking about mail or television commercials, um, there there are regulated commissions in place to ensure the truthfulness of what's being stated. Um, I'm glad to see Twitter's doing it on its own. Um, but to Jeff's point, I, I don't know that it, it's conservatives. I think the MAGA world is 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 likely to be most targeted here, and and that's because of their history, which has been you know spreading deceit across uh, platforms. You agree with that, Jeff? Not at all. I mean, there, I mean, you can point out disinformation or misinformation that comes from both sides. It's only one that gets suppressed. And even <laughs> when something is true on the right, they suppress that too. Again, I bring up the Hunter Biden laptop story. Twitter banned that story. You couldn't even send it to somebody in a DM because they didn't want that going around shortly before the election. So there, there's very clear evidence that they, that they do this. Dominique, you laugh. 
I laugh because, you know, the, the right has become expert in whining, crying and becoming victims. And to me, it's hilarious because they're the ones that came up with the snowflake concept that left people, left wing people are supposed to be so fragile. But I think the 45th president has spread this victim mentality. There are some things that are objectively not true. Alternative facts are not a thing. The election was not stolen. So if Twitter specifically says, okay, so you got one little story, you know, that was suppressed, Hunter Biden, which, you know, okay, whatever. But if you look at the vast majority of misinformation, it is coming from the right. And both sides in here is just disingenuous. All right. So let's go to some more disingenuous stuff that's happening all over the place from the left and the right. On Monday, the FBI executed a raid on the home of former President Donald Trump. The raid authorized agents to seize presidential records and classified materials allegedly removed from the White House. And an informant tipped off investigators about more alleged documents at Mar-a-Lago after officials retrieved 15 boxes. What are your thoughts about this one is this good or bad for either party jeff you know it really depends on what they find honestly i mean the thing is this this is not about presidential records that's not why they conducted this raid because because a lot of presidents have done this and you don't get a raid you don't you don't get warrants served that they're is looking not for true. something else. They're they're looking for a pretext. They use that as a pretext because they want to find something else. That's what's going on here. So if, if it's just on the level of presidential records and that's all they find, this is going to blow back on the left. That's ridiculous. I mean, first of all, the the right, and this is a perfect example of the disinformation we were just talking about. They say, well, Obama took records too. No, what President Obama did was he sent things that he wanted many documents to the National Archives, which is the process you're supposed to go through, then they vet it, and then it goes to the presidential library. He wasn't flushing things down the toilet and keeping them in his home. All presidents do that. They take records, which belong to the American people, have it approved by the National Archives, and it goes to their museums. Otherwise, their museums would be empty and would have nothing in them. So it is a complete false equivalency. It wasn't really a raid, to be honest with you. This is the FBI executing a warrant. They had already issued a subpoena for the former president, which he decided to ignore. So because we all we all kind of took the bait when Trump said it was a raid, we all started saying it was a raid. But how is it a raid when they've already visited your home, asked for the stuff back? They've You've already returned 15 boxes, so it's not allegedly taken. He's admitted to taking it. And then you get a subpoena asking you to turn the stuff over and you still don't do it. That's called executing a warrant. It's not a raid. And although it's never been done to a sitting president, a sitting president has never flushed documents down the toilet and brought possibly brought nuclear secrets to his Florida resort. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's it's, a, it's an incredible story. And, and, you know, for a former president to ignore the calls of the current government to return classified material. Um, and and if the the reporting pans out to be true that it, it deals with nuclear uh, this country's nuclear secrets, then then that's troubling. Um, you know, I, I think when when you look at this in its totality, um, you know, is he hiding something else in there? Uh, I don't know. You know, all of that will pan out uh, in the end game. Uh, respect for this country is something that we've always asked of our chief executive. And if there are top secret classified and and understand that nuclear 
secrets are the highest classification of, of defense secrets. And if, if those materials were, one, brought out of the White House improperly, um, two, they were being kept in a very unsecure location, which should, should just be red flags for everybody, um, and then three, just declining to return them back. Uh, it, it, it's just troubling. We won't even get into Donald Trump and his relationship with Russia and um, all of that prior to 2016, because, uh, you know, if we're talking about nuclear secrets, you, you do have to raise that question. Jeff is saying a horse put manure yeah. to all of it. Jeff. I mean, I'm glad that you brought up Russia because Dominique was just talking about misinformation about elections and that how you shouldn't spread disinformation. Remember, in 2016, y'all were still pretending that Russia won the election for Trump. So I guess what's good for the goose is good for the gander. When it comes to, to, to the, the documents, yeah, he should have returned those documents. I do agree with that. His team was in contact with the National Archives and the FBI to facilitate returning those documents. So, yeah, he should have done it before because none of this would have even come up. But at the same time, there is something that stinks here. I mean, you had Hillary Clinton destroying evidence. She wasn't cooperating. There was no warrant served. So there's something else going on here. And we're going to find out what it is. I'm telling you. Why did he even take them out in the first place, Jeff? Can we start there? I mean, not to mention the fact he hasn't been president since 2020. So he's had plenty of time to turn that stuff over. The stinky stuff is all these right wing talking points and Trump coming out and saying the FBI planted something, which means he's had had some incriminating stuff and he's trying to use the CYA defense. If they thought he had nuclear secrets that were critical, why did they wait until now? Maybe they just found out, Mr. Charles. No, no, no. They've known all along. They've known all along. And, And Merrick Garland in his comments yesterday referenced that they were giving the president time and deference to return the materials. You know, again, this conversation about returning it in earnest started really in March, and we're now in August. And so, you know, there is an amount of time here that that has gone by. Um, Where those secrets are, they've known. I mean, like these classified documents, no one loses track of those, anybody, you know, even if it's sitting on the president's desk, his administrative team knows where top secret documents are. Those just don't go missing. And so, you know, there's, there's as as the attorney general stated, there's been plenty of time and conversation. What was clear is that he was trying not to return them. And, and that's why they acted. So President Trump, you know, he, he is using sort of kind of a CYA defense in terms of saying my lawyers weren't allowed. No one from my team was allowed. They're going to plant some things in these papers that they find. Jeff, do you believe that to be true? I see no evidence of that, so I'm not buying the idea that the FBI planted anything, although I wouldn't put it past them. The FBI has been corrupt for a long time. You remember COINTELPRO, so I wouldn't put it past them, but I, has, I see no evidence of that. So well, I'm laughing because my family were victims of COINTELPRO. So they did not target the their right. No, this actually impacted me personally. My father was a subject of the COINTELPRO uh, targeting, and they did not target the right. So that's a pretty funny comparison. Well, you know, uh, black people have never uh, had a nice relationship with the FBI. And I think we can go all the way to J. Edgar Hoover. But uh, let's move on. How about that? Let's let's move this. Let's chug this train along. Here's the funny. Gotcha. Gotcha. Y'all. After the raid, conservatives started calling to defund the FBI while others want it abolished this is so laughable to me though because i'm just like nobody wanted to defund the fbi when they was after martin luther king jr but okay nobody let's go to break 
Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black are today's, or rather this week's, political and trending highlights of the week. Okay, so after the raid at Mar-a-Lago, conservatives started calling to defund the FBI, while others want it abolished. Two years ago, the GOP smeared the Democratic Party for supporting proposals to defund or abolish the police. White people are always stealing stuff from Black people. Like, oh, black people said defund the police. This is a good idea. Let's steal this one. <laughs> Ed, how do we feel? Uh, look, I think you caught exactly how I felt about it. You know, uh, this country is always going to follow black people's leads. And, and, you know, conservatives have a very strong track record of of taking what we do and trying to misappropriate it for their, their use. You know, this this call to challenge institutions has been pretty constant from the MAGA world over the last couple of years. And this is just more of it. Um, you know, what it what it does highlight, though, is um, the number of people within the Republican base that respond to this. Uh, you know, we've talked about January 6th in the past. Um, we've talked about, you know, respect for American institutions. What's clear is that the the leadership of the Republican Party is really comfortable um, in stoking the these emotions. So that's troubling. Jeff? Yeah. Well, I, I will say it is nice to see my side kind of lose a little bit of respect for law enforcement. I mean, because I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> I, mean it's, I mean, if this is what it took, then, then fine. I'll tell you, though, even before this, there were people on, on the right who wanted to scale back the FBI and some who wanted to abolish it because there is corruption in that agency, even outside of what we're talking about. There's been times where they've concocted radical Islamic terrorist attacks so that they can pretend that they stopped it. I mean, I, I, th th there is a, a, a decline in trust for institution, and that's across the board. That's not just people on the right. There was a Gallup yeah. poll that just came out that showed that that faith in our education system, FBI or law enforcement, it's dropped. And maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this can lead to actual change. I, I would be okay with doing an overhaul of the FBI because like like I said, they are there are things that they do to black people. There are, there are things that they do to other Americans as well. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not really opposed to it. America needs an overhaul. Sorry to say. I mean, with we've been disgruntled about everything America here lately. And I say we start with the Congress <laughs> and we put some term limits and we get some people out and we put some new people in. But OK, just my idea, Dominique. Well, I think it's interesting when Jeff talks about getting his side, meaning conservatives, to have less respect for law enforcement, it really begs the question, if right-wingers or white America were getting killed by uh, local law enforcement at the rate that African-Americans are, they would have been calling for the defunding and dismantling of police agencies long ago. Apparently, one warrant executed on one a uh, rich billionaire in Florida is enough to defund the FBI. I think that really says a lot about the mentality of these conservative uh, far right wing white supremacist folks, because when they disrespect police, it means killing people on January 6th. It means going into the FBI headquarters, shooting a gun and ending up dead. That's not how we challenge law enforcement on the right. We want changes in policy. We do peaceful protests. We want people to stop killing us. We don't want to go into your agency and kill you. And that's the fundamental difference between radical reimagining of law enforcement, of which the FBI is a part, and the um, dismantling or, uh, uh, or, you know, or threats, physical threats against 
people trying to do their jobs. Those are two different things. Yeah, I would agree. Ed, did you want to chime in here again? You know, I, listen, I think it's I think it's more the uh, repeating exactly what Dominique said. I, you know, when you look at the Federal Bureau of Investigations, it, it is the law enforcement arm that's been directed at looking at problems within domestically. Right. And um, too often the African-American population has been the target of those investigations. So I, I think all three of us, all four of us have have, have sort of said, look, you know, uh, the FBI, you know, I, I don't want the FBI in my home. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we've seen a lot of the prosecutions that they brought forward and we've questioned that around, you know, civil rights, um, to move or to cry about this over Donald Trump's having his, his, uh, house raided to get nuclear secrets back just seems pointless. Yeah. And I think that America has garnered such a respect for the police department, such a respect for the FBI, such a respect for authority that we leave them no room for error. And it has become problematic over the decades uh, of of this system. And it's another reason why uh, people are looking at it now going, well, hey, maybe we were wrong. Maybe the FBI are full of humans who are full of mistakes and also, you know, uh, uh, reasons to have other uh, reasons to have other types of initiatives that are not a part of America, but within themselves. And that goes for the police as well. I mean, we are humans and so are the FBI or those that make the FBI, those that make um, the police departments across America. And so we have to give them room for error. And it it just it's just not so in the system that America has set up for any of us, let alone black people alone, right? So after seven hours of testimonies from uh, investigators and witnesses, a Mississippi grand jury has declined to indict Carolyn Bryant Dunham, whose actions led to the lynching of Emmett Till. The grand jury determined there was not enough evidence to charge her despite the recent discovery of an unserved warrant in Donham's unpublished memoir. Uh, I think this came up even more so because someone uh, photographed or videoed her and found her coming out of her own home. So uh, everyone's like, oh, go get her, go get her, Dominique. Yeah, well, the search for her was prompted um, by the discovery uh, of that warrant that no one knew existed, which was uh, the warrant for her arrest and, and others uh, the uh, two gentlemen that were involved in the kidnapping and murder of Emmett Till. It's a blow to the well, family because the, the family other really two, wanted... Haven't the other two, aren't the other two deceased now? They are deceased, but yeah. they were never held criminally accountable. So that's why it's such a you know important piece of the puzzle for the family of Emmett Till and people seeking justice, wanting some kind of legal accountability for this horrific crime. Um, and it won't happen now. It's not going to happen. Um, you know, she was in hiding. Um, she, I think she's in her well into her 80s. And so as far as any kind of criminal accountability for the lynching of Emmett Till, um, it, it's not going to happen. Um, I'm not exactly sure what she could have been charged with anyway, other than perjury, maybe, Jeff? Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure what kind of charges could have been brought against her. You would think that there would be a law against what she did. I mean, I mean, we do have laws against uh, lying about being sexually assaulted and then things like that. I don't know if they had any back then, but uh, okay. it is sad that she's not going to to see justice because back then she would have known at least had an idea of what was going to happen to him if she made up that lie and she did it anyway. So there should be accountability. And unfortunately, it's, it's not going to happen in this case, at least not in this life. It? 
I mean, she, I, I think she would be an accomplice to a murder, right? Uh, if I'm recalling the facts right, she was married to one of the, the men that was alleged to have committed the murder. Um, you know, I, I think in hindsight- but How could you people... make her an accomplice? Because she's the one that said, pointed the finger at, the, at Emmett Till and said, he's the one that did it. Even though she later denied that, we had witnesses that heard a woman's voice saying it. She was the only woman there. She lied and said that he had flirted with her or whistled at her. And the warrant was for kidnapping. Um, that's what they were going to charge her with. As you know, because if you say go get that guy and you're lying about it, then you're in a, you are an accomplice to that kidnapping. So the warrant was for kidnapping, yes. not murder, right? right? So that doesn't make her an accomplice to murder. I mean, but it's I mean, certainly well, conceivable that she could have been. If I say yeah. go get that guy, they kidnap and kill him, and you're accusing him of a crime that you know at that time will end up with him being lynched. I don't. I'm not, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer, but I can see the right. The line I mean, I don't. I don't believe she knew that it would happen. I believe she knew it could possibly happen. Right. Right. So it's kind of hard to say mm, that she. Okay. Not, My no, husband's saying, in the KKK. I'm saying in a court and I'm of law. I'm saying that that black boy was sexually uh, inappropriate with me. My husband's in the KKK. I mean. It's not a stretch. Yeah, so she would have known that that was very yeah. likely to happen. Yeah. She may not have known for sure, but she had a pretty good idea. Yeah, yeah I guess I mean, I'm saying in a court about... of law, you would have to have some type of uh, valid proof that she knew he was going to be murdered. I don't know that it would have mattered in, in Mississippi in the right. 60s. I mean, you know, the, the, the case- Clearly it didn't. Killed. Clearly it didn't. Right. Right. The two people that killed Emmett Till got off from an all-white jury. I don't. She would not have been convicted either. It's it's also part of the reason why they never brought anything against her. I mean, you know, the justice system in, in the Deep South in particular does everything it can to alleviate blame and and, and accountability for, for white women in these cases. And so, uh, you know, in the end game, She's 89 years old. She's going to meet her maker in, in the coming years. And I, I'll, you know, I'll let a higher power deal with her. Yeah, I don't think I'm happy and satisfied with that, but OK. A Nebraska teenager and her mother have been charged with a series of crimes related to an illegal abortion after authorities were given access to private Facebook messages between the two. Jessica Burgess helped her 17-year-old daughter, Celeste, um, who was 28 weeks pregnant, obtain medication called Pregnot that would induce a miscarriage. Court documents state that after taking the medication, which was allegedly purchased online, uh, Celeste gave birth to a stillborn fetus before Roe versus Wade was overturned. But a state law on the books since 2010 bans abortions in Nebraska at 20 weeks. The women allegedly buried the fetus remains and tried to burn them. Facebook received valid legal warrants from local law enforcement. However, abortion was not mentioned at all. Could using our private social media messages become more commonplace in this world? I think it already is, right? It already is. I mean, they're they're catching uh, uh, people left and right through Facebook that stole these PPP loans and that, um, you know, that have uh, uh, been accomplished to murders and, and all kinds of things. You think we know by now that social media is just what it says it is social. Dominique, that social media is a misnomer. Right. Yeah, I think it's really scary, though, because first of all, the only reason Hold that thought we're going to take a quick break, come right back on Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. 
back to the business of being black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack on Fox Soul. The business of being black are the trending and political highlights of the week. So could using our private social media messages become commonplace when it comes to criminal investigations? Listen, if they're using rap lyrics, why not, Dominique? Well, yeah, there's several problematic things about this case, though. First of all, the only reason the the, um, warrant went to social media is because an officer on the scene overheard something between mother and daughter and decided to take it a little further. And that brings to mind laws like the Texas law, where people are deputized to get in your business. Um, And although you're right, Tammy, social media is not private. Nothing on the internet is private. I think there is in expectation of privacy in a messaging system. And I think it's horrifying to think about the implications of everything you've said on a text app or on on an inbox, a direct message, uh, becoming public and subject to litigation in the courts. It's horrifying. Yeah, I feel like there will be no 20-year-olds today who can run for political office in the next 20 years because they're going to pull up all of their social media. I'm telling you, uh, it's a good thing Trump was president because at least now that's the barometer. Um, Ed? <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I, I think, one, it's always a lesson to folks about, you know, what you put out in the social media realm, right? And and really don't go into it with the, the concept that you have privacy, right? That's, that's something that's being fought and will continue to be debated about. Um, you know, this case is 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 interesting because it's it's sort of the first of what we expect to be sort of a growing trend of uh, shocking actions taken by women that are seeking to have health care around. You know, why are you all in a business like that? That's just it really pisses me off. Like, why are you in that family's business like that? Why do you care enough to to listen in on a conversation and then report it and then seek out warrants? It's just it doesn't make any sense to me. Well, yeah, I mean, in the end game, listen, I, I think you know, a stillborn fetus being buried in a yard and, and burned, that's that's troubling, right? Like, you know, I, I think in general, you, you want to see bodies um, properly, you know, uh, uh, either, you know, disposed of. Um, and that would cause some alarm. But that that this mother and, and daughter felt the need to do that because of the overturning of Roe v. Wade is what's at stake here. And, you know, I think the more of these stories that come out, you're just going to see more and more of it. And that was the reason why um, abortion became legal in this country in the first place. We're going to see more of these shocking stories. Right, right. And more women held accountable. Uh, it's funny how we're talking about accountability in the police force and in the FBI, which are majority men. And then here, a, a personal situation, and we're going to hold women accountable for their own bodies and what they do to it in, in, a, in a gruesome way, if you ask me, Jeff. You're right, Tammy, because she's going to jail. She's yeah. going to jail for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of the, of the law being carried out this way. First off, being able to, to spy on, on people's private messages is chilling and it is scary and we should all be uh, uh, pushing back against that. When it comes to the abortion issue, typically the law has focused on the person who provides the, the abortion, not necessarily the mother. So I'm not really crazy about how, how, this was, how this was carried out. This is not what I want to see our government doing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know, for, for me, I think that Uh, If you're on someone else's platform, you should automatically know that it is not private. It doesn't belong to you. 
So uh, it can always be pulled up. You can always go back. I mean, for crying out loud, folk are going back to the inception of Instagram, pulling up stuff about what people said or what or how people twerked, and now they want to be a governor of a of a state. It's 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 a bit much. So uh, we'll see what happens in the next twenty years. I'm looking forward to finding out what some some of this is going to bear for our younger generation. On Monday, Nicole Linton. A 37-year-old nurse was charged with six counts of murder in a crash that killed five people and an unborn child last week. The crash killed pregnant 23-year-old Asheray Ryan, her 11-month-old baby boy, uh, Alonzo Quintero, and Ryan's boyfriend, 24-year-old Ryan Lester, in addition to two women in another vehicle whose names were not released Security footage shows a Mercedes-Benz speeding a 90 miles per hour through a red light Thursday before it plows through several vehicles. Investigators discovered Linton had been in at least 13 other car crashes, and her lawyer says um, she was profound. She has profound mental health issues that should have barred her from operating a vehicle at all. How should the courts handle this case if the crash is linked to Linton's mental alleged health? issues jeff yeah i'm not sure what mental health issues that she had or if that or if the lawyers basically you're just throwing something out there but here's the thing if you know you've been in 13 crashes and you know you have certain mental health issues you shouldn't be getting behind a wheel i mean she does have the responsibility for for making sure that she's keeping herself and other people safe so i i don't know that that's really gonna that that's gonna hold up uh, perhaps she goes to an institution or rehab as opposed to jail. I don't know, Dominique. I think with 13 prior crashes, uh, she's probably going to do some jail time. The mm -hmm. L.A. County District Attorney, George Gascon, is throwing the book at her. She's being charged with murder and uh, reckless endangerment. Uh, right now, there's no signs that there will be any mitigation for her mental health, maybe in sentencing, but uh, you know, what does that take it down from life without the possibility of parole down to life with the possibility of parole? We see her going 90 miles an hour through that intersection. The light has already been red for 10 seconds. That's a hard red. There's no attempt to slow the vehicle. I don't see, uh, I don't see a lenient sentence here. Yeah, uh, she faces up to 90 years in prison. And there's been some controversy about whether she was intoxicated or not. George Gascon says that there's uh, no proof uh, that she was intoxicated at all. And so they're still looking at toxicology reports and things of that nature. It. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, this is just a horrendously gruesome accident and, and that it's caught on, on television or on cameras um, for the world to see just intensifies it. Um, you know, I, I think where I look, she's going to do jail time. We know that. And, and she, she should. Um, but the statement here is that, that's how we deal with mental illness as a society. Right. Um, if it is found that she does have mental health issues, I, I think, you know, I would always and will always continue to sort of raise this issue that how we deal with mental illness is that we jail them. And if there were reasons or, or uh, resources there to help her, maybe we could have found that way. But ultimately, it's the it's the justice system that will deal with mental illness. Yeah, but Ed, um, she's not being jailed for having mental illness. She's being jailed for getting behind the wheel. She shouldn't have been behind the wheel. You're a nurse. You know that you have mental health issues. Why are you driving? No, agreed. Listen, I, I'm not going to sit and defend her. I'm just going to say that when when someone has a mental health issue, ultimately they end up in the justice system that that's where yeah. we find them 
um, th there's no forgiving, you know, the, the, the crash, right. You know, I think we all saw that and, you know, the, the, the gory details of it all or, or just make it even worse. Uh, I can't, I'm not going to defend her actions. The state probably should have revoked her driver's license years ago. That's what it sounds like. Um, yeah. but, but ultimately, you know, she's ending up where, where most people with mental health issues end up, which is in jail. Yeah, I was kind of confused because we haven't received enough details. Um, for instance, out of the 13 crashes, I think two of them were not her fault. She was hit from behind or something of that nature. But 11 crashes, I'd like to know, like, from what time to what time, like 11 and 11 years, 11 and, you know, 30 years, like how long? How many different states? Because she's right, a traveling right. nurse. Uh, because exactly because it, i mean who then then the responsibility is like which state should have revoked her license and which state does she have a driver's license in even uh she's from houston texas so it's interesting to find out um exactly what's going on and why she was going that fast and they're now looking for a young woman uh who went viral uh, on the internet saying that she was inebriated and she had a fight with her um her her boyfriend and investigators are looking for that woman to see if there's any truth to that at all and they can't find her so this is all really an interesting case because uh, in the end lives were lost and you're right if especially if you live in los angeles you travel that route frequently it is a well-known route and you are probably scared to go when the light turns green now that's how horrific that car accident was it was very difficult for me to look at and i tried to not look at it but when you scroll it was on everybody's social media platform uh, uh, from abc to cbs to jasmine brand the shade room it was everywhere so i'm sure that there's definitely some fear there now we'll be back Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And eight days after being sentenced to nine and a half years in a Russian prison, Russian officials confirmed the first discussion to swap Brittany Griner and another American prisoner, Paul Whelan, is underway. Russia stated that they were ready to proceed with talks about a prisoner swap last week, but reiterated they would decline the prisoner swap if the U.S. continued to discuss details. The Biden administration has offered to exchange uh, uh, Victor Bout, a convicted Russian arms trafficker, serving a 25-year sentence in Illinois. So they want us to shut up about Brittany. Dominique? Well, I think they want the government to shut up about Brittany. They can't stop the American people from talking about it. Um, you know, I, I think we have to go and do what we got to do to free Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan. I hate to see any American held overseas. Um, I think that people who are, you know, belittling this or saying that, well, it's not worth it because he's this horrible uh, a person are not, you know, they're not dealing with the reality of prisoner swaps. They're messy. They're not ideal. It's really not where you want to be. But right now we've got to bring Brittany Griner and Paul Whelan home. It's the middle of a war, which makes it even worse. So the sooner we get her home, the better. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I, I would rather not see this type of prisoner exchange. And I'm hoping, I, I don't know if the Biden administration exhausted all other options. It doesn't really seem like they did. I don't but think they, they have did, any other options, Jeff. They, they might not, but but I I, I don't know. I mean, we, we've done this type of thing before where, we, where we've gotten people out of Russia and, and other countries. But at the end of the day, if, if it has to be done to, to get our people back here, then I'm good with it. You are? Yeah. 
You said you don't like this kind of prisoner swap, though. Why not? I, I don't. I, I don't like the idea of releasing somebody who was pl plotting to kill Americans. I, I, I'm very uncomfortable with that. At the same time, I'm more uncomfortable with our people being trapped in Russia, especially over weed. Yeah. Yeah. Many people have been vocal about the prisoner swap, including Donald Trump, who recently stated we're supposed to get her out for an absolute killer. And one of the biggest arms dealers in the world killed many Americans, killed many people. And he's going to get a free card and we're going to get her. Ed? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, that last little statement's troubling, but uh, the. <laughs> Uh, there is a fair question there, right, about Victor Bouton, you know, his his capacity, his capabilities, what he's been accused of, why he was sitting in a prison. Um, you know, I, I think about this from the standpoint of, you know, prisoner of war and, you know, seeing those big black flags flying whenever I drive past, you know, military installations where, you know, we have to understand that that Brittany is actually a POW, that that we are in a in a proxy war with Russia at this point, and and her her arrest and her detainment um, is really rooted in that. Um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I think President Biden needs to act. I think this community has put enough pressure on him to act. Um, if you'll recall, at the very beginning, at the outset of this, you know, the call was, hey, don't talk about it, don't talk about it. And we reacted the exact opposite way. We put a lot of pressure on this administration to act yeah. to get her out. Yeah, and, yeah. and that has to be noted that that this whole conversation wouldn't even be had, um, had, you know, folks that, that watch this show, that other shows hadn't put pressure on the administration to act. And if it does cost, you know, Victor Bout to be out and about in the world and Brittany gets back along with another POW, then 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 that's just the price of it. Mm. Yeah. Dominique. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything, pretty much everything that's been said. And I do think it's important to remember that some of this little subtextual, oh, we get her, does have to do with the fact that she's a woman, she's black, and she's LGBTQ plus. So somehow that's less valuable. And I think that's wrong. And I'm so glad America is standing up. And I see Americans from all walks of life, black and white, uh, gay and straight, standing up and saying, bring BG home. All right. Um, let's see. An investigation is underway after a video captured a Missouri family being denied entry into a water park. Let's take a look at this clip. She canceled on a kid's birthday party, a private party, because of you're not comfortable because you're not comfortable with what? What are you uncomfortable with? Because we're black. 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 I kept hearing the, the guy say, because we're black, because we're black. And I was I was thinking to myself, Shh, be quiet. Let her answer the question. You know, saying like, let her fall on her own. Just be quiet and let her answer the question. But, you know, we just can't be quiet. We got to keep talking. Lee Summit Mayor Bill Baird uh, released a statement about the incident saying, unfortunately, statements were made by a parks and recreation manager at Summit Waves that were inappropriate and insensitive. Then there was an additional statement from the city released on Monday that claims the family advertised the party on social media, which resulted in about 500 people arriving, which is twice the number the venue agreed to. So what, who do we believe? I didn't see 500 people, but I don't know who was already in the park. Well, look, both could be true, Tammy. I mean, a family could be 
you know, silly enough to post their party on social media and have enough cloud to have 500 people come and you don't get to be a racist, right? I mean, both can be true. You shouldn't have invited all these people. And guess what? You don't get to discriminate against black people anyway. If 500 people, uh, Britney Spears' friends showed up, would you deny them entry to the park? Uh, Both could be true. And there is such a long and fraught history of black people being denied access to pools and water recreation, that they've got to be aware of this and they've got to do better. Yeah. Jeff? Yeah. When I read about this case, there's so many details here. And and I I agree with you, Tammy. I wish they would have let her talk because then we could have actually see what what her motivations were. But when I looked into this, they actually reached out to this family after they posted that post. They reached out numerous times and didn't didn't get a call back to try to discuss the matter. They didn't get a call back until the day of the party when they told them that it was going to be canceled, that they weren't going to host them. So I don't think that they were they were discriminating because of the color of their skin. Now, I don't know what these this lady's attitudes were, but I'm talking about the company so i'm seeing that there's just this was mishandled from 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 both sides here like i I, but i don't think that the company said this family's black we're not going to let them in they wouldn't have even ironed out the deal in the first place if that were the case well i don't know um i i would imagine (laughs) a water park that's ran by white people uh they'd be like um you know 40 black people is cool but 500 oh my god we don't have enough staff for that (laughs) i don't know am i off base here ed it, it, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. I mean, if if let, let me let me jump into uh, Jeff's conservative world as a as a business owner and speak from a business perspective. If you own the water park and you could sell tickets to the water park, uh, you know <laughs> that just seems like an opportunity to make money. Um, well, I, now, it, it, I I understood it as that this particular family rented out the water park, which to me says that they can invite h- however many people that they want to invite you know, under, you know, based and, and it would have been under contract that, that they could right. up to 250, but based on the number of people that the park allowed them to have. Right. I'm sure we've all been to a venue that has reached its fire limit and you can't get in. Um, and, and that's basically what would have happened here. Um, you know, con- canceling the contract right before the event seems callous. And then to have right. an employee out front, um, you know, trying to explain it in not clear terms um, certainly is going to lead everyone to believe that it was around race. I would think so. Uh, I definitely uh, thought that without yeah. the thing the is they, they the, did, but the they had reached they out numerous out. times, though. They, they reached out a number no, no, of no, times before no, no, the day but of the No, no, Jeff, party. the fact that they put out a statement saying that park officials made unfortunate statements means that there was racism right. present, regardless of what happened prior to and what the companies, uh, you know, a responsibility is here. The fact that a park employee clearly made racist statements them. because they admitted it. I, I didn't see them admit to racism. They said inappropriate comments. Okay, what does that mean? Also, that means, and they also said that they had an inability mean? to reach the renting party because they were concerned about safety. If the crowd hadn't arrived yet, there really weren't any safety concerns to be to be dealing with. Right. Uh, you know, once you get to 200, 300 people, now you have an issue. But uh, before that, it doesn't make sense. I don't know why you would void that contract. I would be, you know, I'd be heated if I was that that family, just to say it lightly. Yeah, it is a very interesting case because whose side are you on? And like Dominique said, both sides can be true. You can be racist and you can also, you know, <laughs> they can also just be flat out wrong. Um, but what would have been the, the answer to this, do you think, Jeff? 
well, for them to not post a social media post for the whatever inappropriate comments they made because they could have been racist. They, those but if have they been weren't made. told that they couldn't make social, like that's something that they, they were told. Part- that, that was part of the contract. That they, they were they were told that they weren't were supposed to post about it on social media. Uh-huh. Here's what should be done, Tammy. They should handle it the same way they would handle it if a white family did the same thing. And I'm almost 100% sure that's not the case. Let's take a quick break. <laughs> Welcome back to Business of Being Black with Tammy Mack. I'm Tammy Mack. And the Business of Being Black are the trending and political highlights of the week. Let's get into some R. Kelly news. We don't talk about him enough on this show, right? Actually, I never talk about R. Kelly on this show, to be honest. So R. Kelly's uh, R. R. Kelly's fiance, Jocelyn Savage, says that she is pregnant. Mm, she's having his baby. I didn't even know. Like, how do you get... I thought you had to be married to get those conjugal visits. No? Nobody knows the answer to that because they've never been in jail. (laughs) Okay. All right. You straight laced people. Um, Dominique, how do you feel? Well, I mean, you know, that's their private business. Assuming uh, that she's of age and they're consenting adults, that's their private business. It seems like odd timing. Um, And, you know, I guess he's he's going to be raising that baby from inside the prison. All I want to say maybe, to her maybe is, he shouldn't be raising the baby at all. Jeff? Yeah, all I have to say to her is good luck and I hope they get a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. All right. Uh it Yeah, I don't know. This was troubling all the way around. I you know, I hope she has a, a healthy delivery and you know, wish her the best. Um but I you know I don't Everybody know what to say wants to mind the business that pays them at this point, huh? Okay, yeah, well, let's talk yeah. about the business that's paying R. Kelly. Apparently, he had uh, uh, just a little under $28,000 in his commissary, and they have seized all but $500 of it so that he can pay uh, some court fees. Uh, can they just go in and swipe the man's $28,000 like that? Now that oh. I do know, because I've interviewed enough people inside the carceral system. Not only they can take your money, that 75 cents an hour they pay you to work in prison, they take half of that and it'll go to restitution or whatever it'll go to. Uh, so yeah, he's in for some new money rules in prison. Oh, that's like child support payments. Mm-hmm. They taking half your money from your prison Half labor. your 75 cents an hour. Ooh, okay, Jeff. How do we feel about them taking R. Kelly's money like that? It, you know, people come put money on his books, then they take it out. Nobody's gonna put money on his books anymore now. Yeah, I'm more angry about what Dominique just said about how they pay them 75 cents and then take half of that than I am about R. Kelly. I mean, of course, I'm, I, I, I don't feel bad for him. I, I just don't. <laughs> do you feel bad that he makes 75 cents an hour? I guess I feel bad for other people who make 75 cents an hour for him. I, I just, I, I, I can't muster sympathy for R. Kelly. I you just know can't. what? Jeff and I are in agreement. I mean, that is the, that slavery that still continues it inside is. our carceral system. That's and it exactly needs to what be it abolished. It's still hard to get sympathy up for R. And they just have to keep his level at 500. 500 is a lot when you're in prison. 500 you is a lot in the commissary. It is a yeah. lot. I, I, I'm really, I'm, I'm shocked that they left him with 500, Ed. Well, look, I mean, look, that was a lot of money to have on the commissary. And I got to believe that R. Kelly had that much money on his on his books so that he could buy a lot of friends while he was in jail. And if he doesn't have that money on the books and he doesn't have friends, he, he might have a different experience while he's behind bars. Yeah, and so, bend over. Let me see it. Yeah. Um, Serena, Williams is, <laughs> Serena Williams is moving on. So let's talk about some good news. 
moves in the world today. Serena Williams is moving on from tennis and she is doing it her way. She told Vogue magazine, I'm here to tell you that I'm evolving away from tennis toward other things that are more important to me. Are we hurt to see her leave her tennis legacy without fulfilling uh, the record, Ed? Um, I'm going to say that she's going to fulfill the work record. I, I'm looking forward to a Kobe-like performance at the U.S. Open, where in her final tournament, so Serena gets the record, wins the title. The U.S. Open is something that she's always performed well. I know for me, September has always been a highlight because you get to see her in New York, uh, U.S. Open. I'm expecting Kobe-like uh, a Kobe-like performance. Really? Okay, you say a Kobe like performance. See, I thought you said Kobe, like she had COVID and was gonna do a COVID performance. No, oh, was, no, this you is, said Kobe. Okay, yeah. all right, let me clear that we up like for anybody else. All the way to get the record, you know. <laughs> let me clear that up for anybody else who was like me thinking you were saying Kobe. Okay, Dominique. I love, love, love Serena Williams. I hope she does it in New York. I think she has a good chance to do it, even though there's so much pressure and so much history. But look, she's still the GOAT. She's one of the best athletes of all time. Even without that record, it's still a record in the modern era. She's the only woman to win a major while pregnant. I mean, on and on we go. Serena Williams is a GOAT, win or lose. I'm glad she's doing it on her own terms. And she's going to be a mommy again. And she is going to be an incredible venture capitalist investor uh she's just beginning a new chapter yeah yeah and, and it's it's fun to see jeff yeah it, it's exciting i mean whether she she wins the open or not or breaks record or not if she's happy and she's doing what what she wants to do then great i mean her story is a beautiful story so i'm excited to see uh, what she does next yeah no matter what i mean no matter how many uh, uh, loses she gets from here on out, no matter how many people win from here on out, Serena Williams will always be the one to beat. We love her. We love her. So congratulations, Serena. And we can't wait to see your next chapter, girlfriend. Black girl magic all the way. Hey, hey. That's the business of being black with Tammy Mack. Welcome to Quick Trip. How can I help you? Why don't you ask him? It's my turn to bring snacks for our class bake sale. And? I just told Mama about it five minutes ago. No problem. We've got fresh donuts. Oh, thank you. Next thing he's going to tell me, it's our turn to bring the drinks to soccer practice. <laughs> Steven? It's our turn to bring drinks to soccer practice. We've got Gatorade, Powerade, water, you name it. Thank this nice gentleman for saving your life. Any reason's a good reason for Quick Trip. QT. More than a gas station. Switch to Metro by T-Mobile and save more. Get the new iPhone SE now with 5G at the lowest price in prepaid. Just $99.99. I post a lot. And thanks to the iPhone SE with 5G and advanced 4K camera, I'm snapping and sharing while my followers are smashing the like button. Switch and get the iPhone SE for just $99.99. Only at Metro. Save more versus national prepaid brands. Limited time offer. In-store only. Price for 64GB model with eligible port. $60 plan and ID. See 5G device coverage and access details at Metro by T-Mobile.com. Come